man, dude, bagels. Like, I miss bagels all the time. What's up? It's your boy DJ Omowski, chilling here with Walid and a special guest. He's a scary person in the ring and he's a cool person outside the ring. This is Brian Kelleher. What's up, Brian? What's going on, man? How's everything? Good, man. Thank you for joining us. I got a couple things I want to talk to you about. I know you're a busy man, so we got you for a couple minutes. But uh, first off, you're from Long Island. We're a Long Island podcast. So we're double excited to uh, hang out with you virtually. Can you talk a little bit about where you grew up and your rise to the UFC? Yeah, so I was born in Oceanside, but uh, I've lived in Selden my whole life pretty much since I was like two years old. Uh, I played sports my whole life, soccer, hockey, bowling. Like I did it all as an athlete. And then, uh, you know, once I was like 18, 19 years old, a, a gym opened up in the town next over in Center Reach. And uh, I, you know, was a fan of the sport. I was watching the UFC, Chuck Liddell, Randy Couture, Matt Hughes, like all those guys. And I was like, man, like, this is so exciting. I want to try this out. You know, me and my friends would wrestle around and I would do well for my size. And I, you know, I was always pretty athletic. So I was like, you know what? I, you know, I think I could pick this up pretty quick. I started training at that gym. And we kind of all got rushed into like our first fights. Our first amateur fights was like two months of training. And I, uh, I won by TKO my first amateur fight. It was at Mohegan Sun. I, uh, I, yeah, it was so exciting. So that kind of like from then on out, I was like training every day. I made it a lifestyle and I really took off from there. Yeah. A lot of the times, especially from Long Island, you, you know, kind of grew up wrestling in high school. I guess that wasn't the case for you. You kind of just took it another way and you're a brown belt in jujitsu too, right? Correct. Yeah. I never wrestled in high school or anything. I really wish I would have now looking back, but, uh, I, yeah, I feel like wrestling has been something I picked up pretty naturally. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of been having, you know, from doing it for fun with my friends and everything, but, uh, and from training over the years, but yeah, I wish I would have wrestled in high school. So I went to uh, college and wrestled and it's just such a grind probably a little bit different for UFC because you're you're doing so much you're doing press tours and all this other stuff so it's just more added pressure and responsibility but the one thing I always talk about that you know people who never cut weight don't understand like the preciousness of food what is the mindset where you're cutting weight and how you've been doing with that now that you're seasoned vet yeah, for sure. I mean, I respect wrestlers for that, too, because not even just cutting the weight, but also performing essentially like without even being able to fully rehydrate. See, us fighters, we get 24 hours to yeah. really uh, refuel and rehydrate. But cutting weight is definitely a, a psychological process. You know, you got to stay disciplined. You got to stay strong about it. You know, you got to focus on certain foods that you have to eat. Portion sizes start to go down. Uh, I do like a water load where I'm drinking like two gallons of water for like three days straight and then I kind of taper down the water and I cut the rest of the weight but uh yeah it's it's a grind it's a it's a mental focus that uh you know it can break you and, and you can want to quit but you have to keep pushing uh it's just part of the sport I wish it wasn't you know I wish we could yeah. fight at our natural weight but <laughs> it is what it is yeah people always say well why don't you fight at your normal weight you know when you're just growing up whether it's wrestling or MMA it's like 
someone who weighs 190 is probably cutting down to 165. So every, if everyone just agreed not to do it, then maybe we'd have a chance of no one cutting weight. But just everyone wants that competitive edge. So there's no real uh, way of uh, kind of filtering cutting weight out. 2020 has been an amazing year for you. We saw both your fights. The one thing I wanted to ask, because the feeling of winning, especially in UFC, must be absolutely amazing in MMA. You, so you had a submission win and you had a knockout win this year. Which yeah. one feels better? Well, uh, the knockouts always feel the best. I mean, it's always like pretty uh, primal feeling after like the release, the, the relief that you get from just finishing a guy like that with one punch is, uh, you know, you know that like you're being feared now by the rest of the division. And, you know, the the bosses in the UFC, like, they like seeing finishes. So I feel like just getting finishes in general is a big thing in the UFC. Uh, and I'm that style of fighter. I'm always looking to finish guys, whether it be on the ground, on the feet. But I would say uh, the knockout feels better. But the stakes behind the submission win early this year in January were definitely higher. You know, my job was on the line. I was fighting my last deal, on my, my last fight on my contract. So... That was huge for me. A lot of pressure was behind that. And uh, to get that win really uh, set the tone for the year. Oh, 100%. And then I, I believe you fought in January of this year, right? Right on the top of the, the year? Yeah, yeah, so January. People who don't follow MMA, you know, the person you were fighting, I think in his, like, press conference interview, or they do, like, a package the, the, before the fight, was saying that, you know, because you were on the Conor McGregor card, yeah. um, he was saying, you know, essentially that, he was going to be the, the highlight of the entire night and then, you know, boasting and bragging and then you ended up uh, choking him out. Is there an added feeling to kind of win those fights when they're kind of boasting like that or is it just part of the game and you, you just realize you just got to stay focused? Yeah, it's just part of the game. I'm a veteran in the sport. I, I understand what he was doing there. You know, I think he kind of made himself look worse, to be honest. But yes. I, know he, I know he wasn't talking trash to me specifically or right. really trying to get under my skin. He was just trying to, like, make himself more hyped up. And, and I, you know, I could read his, his nervous energy when I saw him at weigh-ins, and it was his debut. And I know he was a young guy that was trying to come up and, and steal my, my job, essentially. So I was – motivated enough before anything he would say so yeah brian can you talk about because obviously we're going through a pandemic which you know sucks for sports um and you know you obviously had to fight with no crowd and obviously you know sports the crowd involved is so much can you talk about what that was like just fighting with literally no one in the audience besides the coaches and broadcasters you could hear literally everything they're saying yeah, it was quite different. You know, I, I, I've never done that, so I wasn't used to it. You know, some of the guys from the Ultimate Fighter Contender Series kind of knew that setting a little bit better. For me, I was just like, hey, don't be distracted by this silence, this eeriness in the crowd. Just focus on the cage and just walk straight and just, you know, kind of focus on the fight and your opponent, and that's it. Uh, for me, like, the walkout, I didn't really notice it much. But when I got in the cage and Bruce Buffer announced us and then it got quiet for a second, I was like, wow, like I hear chairs moving. I hear people talking, like conversations happening. Like it was just a weird feeling, you know, but I was uh, I was able to tune it out and, and focus on the fight, which I was happy about. And, you know, it's probably going to be like this for quite some time. So I was happy I got got it out of the way and got that experience. Yeah, that's yeah, it must be a, a wild feeling. And, you know, like Wally was saying, you know, there were some fighters who were like talking back to Joe Rogan and the crew because they heard them while they were fighting. But I yeah. want to talk about one of the big things on our podcast we always talk about because we do celebrate Long Island success stories like yourself is that, you know, the trials and tribulations of 
you know, the ups and downs to get to a successful spot where you're at. You know, you talked about in January, you're on your last fight of your contract and, you know, it was either win or go home kind of situation almost. Um, and then, you know, you're starting off, you know, there was a point in your career, I think you were like 10 and seven and then you won 11 fights and three, you know, you were 11 and three after that. Can you talk about like your mindset on how, you know, that part where it felt like a grind and maybe like, you know, I don't know if fear started creeping in and points of your career or just doubt, but how you kind of overcame that and just battled through that. Yeah, well, I was 10 and 7, like you said, and it was kind of like, oh, I'm just a regular guy, like a, a fighter that, you know, is just doing his thing, but no hype behind me, no talks of, you know, making the dream come true. The UFC was always my vision, my end goal, you know, and so, uh, you know, at that point, I knew in my mind, I'm like, I, you know, I hit a switch. I said, it's either, you know, get a regular job and, and work full-time job and just paycheck to paycheck or you're going to keep chasing this dream and you got to go on a, a really big win streak. If you want to get in the UFC, like I needed to put like five or six wins together, which is what yeah. I did. Yeah. And it, it, my mentality was there. As soon as I made that decision in my head, I said like, I'm going to do this. Like I'm going to go hundred percent. I'm trying to finish guys. I'm going to start fighting a lot more aggressive and I'm going to fight the best guys possible on the regional scene that had the best records that were talked about to get in the UFC because that was the fastest way like if I could beat these guys that have a lot of hype that the UFC are looking at then now yeah. they're gonna look at me so that's what happened I, I beat like four or five guys and then I fought Julio Arce and he was the next guy to get in the UFC and I beat him twice and uh you know I I got a big knockout on Dana White's looking for a fight show and those were the moments that really uh set the tone for me to get called up to the UFC and you know I got a full-time job and I was uh I was dating this girl that was kind of you know not supportive about the dream and was kind of you know ready to settle down and and have kids and, and a house and all that and I wasn't ready you know I was like no like I can't look back and sit and be happy with myself if I don't chase this down with a hundred percent of my heart. So, you know, that didn't work out of course, but uh, the yeah. dream worked out. So yeah, it must feel good that, you know, there is so much sacrifice when it comes to this sport and following your dreams in general, that when, you know, you do take that risk and there's things that you lose out on that it does pay off like this. It's, it's an amazing thing. I just got two more quick questions for you. You know, we always talk about legacy um, when we have our, uh, you know, guests on our podcast, when it's all, all said and done and you've amassed you know uh, many fights how do you want to be remembered in the ring what are some of the things that you hope people say about brian kelleher at the end of the day well uh one thing is that i was always willing to fight anybody they put in front of me uh always you know exciting to watch as a fighter you know left my heart out there every time in the cage uh you know especially you know uh they're gonna remember me as being a finisher you know someone who finishes fights who, who takes risks who tries to uh, always put guys away and um you know also a, a guy who did things the right way never cheated took any drugs or steroids or peds or anything like that and i think you know i pride myself on that a lot that's awesome and since we're from long island i gotta end with a good uh, long island question about the food what's your favorite pizza spot on long island and bagel spot Oh, man, dude, bagels. Like, I miss bagels all the time because, like, bagels, cream cheese, lots, like, egg everything bagels is my bagel. Uh, I, I don't know if I, I have uh, – in Selden, Sella Bagels is probably the spot for okay. bagels. Uh, pizza, let's see. Um, a lot of good spots. I think Cafe Michi is probably, like, my go-to yeah. pizza yeah. over here. So yeah. good. 
Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can't go wrong with pizza and bagels on here. That's why we always talk about it. I got to highlight a few good spots that, you know, our guest favorite. But Brian, thank you so much for jumping on. It's, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on and to watch you. We've been rooting for you. 2020 is definitely your year. And I hope uh, the sky's the limit. We'll be rooting for you, man. Yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate the support, man. It means a lot. Thank you, guys. It's the warm-up podcast. Peace, man. Both.